Coming up next on Contemplate. The question, when, when Jesus talked about unity and praying for unity, and, we're, and, and they're saying, be unified, be unified, be unified. If it was so easy, if it was a su- super easy thing to do, why talk so much about it? You got to talk about it because it's hard. That was Pastor David Robinson from Axe Church in Camas, Washington. And this is Contemplate. I'm Ron Hagelgans. Thanks for being here as we conclude our series, Contentment in Christ. Having finished chapter 18 in the book of Acts, Pastor David is going to teach us the importance of unity in the church. And this is especially timely because we see so much division in the church today. And whether the local church or the larger church, the body of Christ, God's desire is for unity. Let's learn more. Here's Pastor David with today's episode, recorded live at Acts Church. Now, that's the end of chapter 18, and you're probably thinking, what were you talking about with all this division stuff? I forgot. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, I do know what I'm talking about. We, we got to flesh out this story. There's, we have to first understand this. The Apostle Paul was there in Corinth for a year and a half, a year and a half solidly teaching these people. No internet, no television, no whatever. They were getting together a lot. They got a lot of teaching. They were set up well. It's hard to imagine a way in which they could have been set up better than they were. Now, Corinth was a, was a nasty city. There was a lot of immorality. There was a lot of bad stuff going on. But Paul had been there, effectively speaking, modeling the Christian life, teaching the Word of God powerfully. Not only that, they then had Apollos come out, who was a very effective preacher, speaker, and was refuted to the Jews publicly. So they had had a lot of benefits, a lot of benefits, a lot of discipleship, a lot of teaching. Now, a couple years later, Paul's in Ephesus, and we'll get to where he's in Ephesus here in a minute. Just a few years later, 54 to 56 AD, we have the the book of 1 Corinthians, which is a letter written to this church in Corinth. And in this letter, Paul has to call them out for some things. I'm talking a few years. He's given them all this teaching. They're all set up. They're all ready to go a few years. And this is what he writes to them in 1 Corinthians, starting in chapter 1, verse 10 through 13. Now I plead with you, brethren... By the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, which is Peter, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? He goes on in chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one? I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. A couple years, a few years, and the church is so divided that they're literally subdividing out into I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Peter, Cephas, I'm of Christ. The ones who said I'm of Christ were the ones who are right, by the way. Um, That's who you want to be of. Paul can't save you. Neither can any of these other guys. Uh, These guys have have really gotten jacked up. Now, there's a lot of other ways in which they got jacked up. 1 Corinthians has a lot of stuff, but this is is what I want to deal with today. There There are aspects of divisions 
that exist in the church. Uh, one would be division within a local church. People simply not being able to get along with one another, not being able to, to forbear with one another, not being able to deal with one another um, in, in a pleasant way, not being able to feel comfortable around another, one another, and so divisions arise. Um, there's all kinds of things that can cause that. Uh, but there's also divisions within the universal church. Now, if you don't know a lot about the difference between the local church and the universal church, let's, let's simplify. The local church is like this church, okay, a local expression of the body of Christ. The universal church is all the Christ followers, period, everybody who follows Christ. Um, we read earlier from the prayer of Jesus that his desire was that all of us, all of his disciples would be one, would be one, that we would be unified in him. Unified, right? There's only one truth for the Christ follower that is important in this, in this um, aspect, and that is there's Jesus Christ. That's it. We follow him. It's him. He's the one who saved us. Nobody else. Nothing else. But the Corinthians are getting divided. Some are saying, I follow Paul. I like his style. I like the things he says. I follow Paul, Cephas, whatever. Um, they're, they're, they're creating subcultures and cliques within the church. Now, we say the church and we think about it like it's Acts Church. Remember, this is a city of 80 to 100,000 people. All right, it's a big, it's a big area. Now, in America, if we had a city of 80 to 100,000 people, would there be just one church? No. There'd be a lot of churches, right? A lot of local expressions of the body of Christ. They would be divided. They'd be divided. And, and, and Paul's pointing out here that, look, Christ is the only one we should follow. He and Peter and Apollos are workers just like everyone else in the church, each according to his or her gifts. That's who they are. Christ is the one who we follow. And we've, we've studied about the need for us as a local church, for us as Acts Church specifically, to be unified, to be in one accord, and so on. But we need to talk for a minute about the universal church because you're part of that too. You're part of the universal church, too, as a Christ follower. And sometimes we need to think about our responsibilities, not only to ourselves or to our families or even to our church here at Acts Church, but our responsibilities to the kingdom of God worldwide. What are our responsibilities? What has Christ called us to, to the kingdom of God worldwide? Because you are part of that. You are actually responsible, for as far as it is in your power, to do what's right as to the universal church, the whole church. I'm not talking about universalists, okay, just so that no one gets uh, confused. I'm talking about the whole church, the worldwide church. Um, here's the thing. We're at a time in history where the universal church is fractured, is divided, and there's a lot of that I follow Paul, I follow Apollos type stuff going on. Now, in some ways, there's actually a movement where there are those who are really moving toward unity, and that's great. That's amazing. Um, it's important, very important to take this seriously because it's the responsibility of Christ followers to be united, to be one, to be one. Each of us and each church as a whole, a local church, has the responsibility to be part of that solution of unification, of loving one another well. We have to have the right heart attitude and the right kind of love towards those who don't necessarily come and worship with us every Sunday morning, but maybe they worship somewhere else. We have to have the right heart attitude towards them because all of us who are in Christ are called to the same mission, the same goal, the same calling. It's all the same. And so we should not be dividing ourselves unnecessarily. So what is it? What is it that divided the Corinthian church 
And what is it that divides the church today? What is it? Well, there are probably a number of things, but the one I really want to concentrate on, the one that I see a lot, is differences, differences over primary and secondary matters of doctrine. Primary and secondary matters of doctrine, um, which is basically doctrine is just, look, what we believe Scripture says about certain things. That's all doctrine means. Um, and, and we have these divisions. Now, what's primary and secondary? Uh, primary issues are issues that would relate directly to who God is, what it means to be saved, just your really basic stuff, the kind of stuff you would find in sort of the ancient creeds. We believe in one God and three persons, that Jesus was born of a virgin, that he died, that he rose on the third day, um, that we're saved by grace through faith. Those kind of very, very basic fundamental doctrines, those are primary. Some would use the word essential. Those are essential Everything that's not in that category, and we'll talk about a little bit about what that category is, is secondary. In other words, there are believers who are free to have different ways of, of looking at it, especially different traditions about the way that they, say, do church on a Sunday morning. Those are definitely secondary. But there's a whole host of things that Scripture uh, would allow, I think, for people to have slightly different views on, and that some people will not allow there to be different views on. And so one of the biggest problems with this is that this can cause an us and them mentality for believers and for churches. Us and them. Well, them, you know, they do this. We do it right. So I, I asked a few questions at the beginning. I said, what should it take to divide us? What should it take? How serious should this be before we're divided? What should it take for someone to say, I cannot worship with you? I can't do it. What kinds of issues are worth breaking fellowship over? Now, Scripture tells us clearly that we must be united. I just talked about that. But Scripture also teaches us to keep sound doctrine. Now, this is what it says in Titus 1.9. It says, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. And then Titus 2, 1, it says, but as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. So we have a balancing, right? We've got to hold attention here between unity and keeping sound doctrine at the same time. We can't be so willing to unify that we would connect with and, and say it was okay for people to believe things that are essential different than what really is essential. Okay, that's important. That's important. So we've got to ask ourselves questions when we're holding this tension, like what's important enough to not be in fellowship with someone else? C.S. Lewis uh, pointed out the problem we sometimes have in figuring out which doctrines are essential and which are non-essential, which are primary and which are secondary. This, he said this in the book, Mere Christianity. One of the things Christians are disagreed about is the importance of their disagreements, when two Christians of different denominations start arguing, it is usually not long before one asks whether such and such a point really matters, and the other replies, matter? Why, it's absolutely essential. Okay, so we need to be clear about what really is an essential and clear about what is not, and then we need to work towards unity in essentials, unity in essentials, and liberty in non-essentials, secondary matters. We would not let them keep us from being together. So there are some people who would use the name Christ or who would say that they are Christians who are so far off, so far off in essentials. I mean, when they talk about Jesus, they are not talking about the Jesus of the Bible. I mean, there's just, there's just some craziness out there. And in those cases, there's no question that we cannot 
say, hey, we're all in the same family, we're all Christians, because we're not. We're not. They're, they're so far off in what they believe. But that's actually, those situations are actually relatively rare in comparison to the number of situations where people believe almost every single thing that the church next door believes, except for one little tiny thing. That's more common than the people who are way off. And so we have to move toward unity if the church is going to be strong. If the church is going to be strong. It simply will not be as strong if we're not unified. That makes sense, right? That's just a basic, uh, obvious, fundamental. So this begins simply, because the question is, what can I do? What can I do? It begins simply in this way. Um, removing any us versus them thinking or us versus them language in the way that you talk about your own church, about what you believe about Scripture, not creating distinctions between you and other people that don't need to be there, and especially not creating distinctions that suggest that you're smarter, more holy, better than someone else who happens to differ with you on a non-essential matter. Okay, it's got to start with us individually doing that and us as a church and having grace and forbearance for other believers in areas that are not essential. That does not mean, hear me on this, it does not mean that because an area is not essential that it doesn't matter. It very well may matter. So persuade and convince, okay, in love. It, it may matter. It just is not essential. It's not something worth breaking fellowship over. That's the question, right? The question, when, when Jesus talked about unity and praying for unity and, we're, and, and they're saying, be unified, be unified, be unified. If it was so easy, if it was a su super easy thing to do, why talk so much about it? We got to talk about it because it's hard. We got to talk about it because it's hard. It's hard to be unified. The point is, be unified, even though it's really hard to do that. That's how you learn to really love people. Walking away and saying, "Oh, you don't believe this about uh, the particular way baptism works, or you don't believe this about uh, the particular way communion works, or something like that." And so I'm out of here. I'm taking my ball and going over here, and I'm going to start the new church of whatever where we believe every single thing you believe, except this one little thing that's not even essential. But we're going to have our own church, and we're going to think we're better than you. That's crazy. That's crazy, but it's hard to stay in and continue with somebody else, even though you're disunified about something that you may find important and that matters, but is not essential. It's not essential. We've talked about how individual believers are called to be part of a shield wall and that the local church does that. And the universal church is that greater shield wall. But if we have divisions in the church locally for sure and universally, throughout all the Christ wars, we have divisions, it's not going to be a very strong shield wall. What kind of a shield wall has big breaks in it where these two won't get near each other because they differ on some minor point? That's not a very strong shield wall. That's not a very strong shield wall. We are all, as the churches, as Acts Church, as every church around, are called as Christ followers with the same calling and goal. When I was young, I grew up in a denomination where, and I don't know that it was intentional, I don't, I don't know that it was thought about that much, but it would not, my, my feel was that we, that, that denomination, there was an us and there was a them. And there was kind of a, well, we're this way, and then it depended on how many things we differed on or what kinds of things or how important they were to the person was how much they would separate themselves from other believers. Oh, the people over there, they do that. You know, we don't do that because we actually understand the Bible. They don't. There was, there was a lot of that. And I've become more and more convinced by the Holy Spirit that we have to really do something about this way of thinking that still exists in the church. That our call in general is to be more and more and more unified. Now listen, I am not here 
putting out a manifesto that all denominations need to be broken down and that everybody needs to, we need to recreate some sort of church that's all one thing. I'm not, I'm not there at this point. We, we got to talk about loving across these things, loving across the, 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 the different names and the different churches. I'm not necessarily talking about breaking everything down and starting the new church. And well, since we're doing that, Acts Church might as well be in charge, right? Um, well, I'm not talking about that, all right? I'm not saying that. I'm just talking about the way that we speak about and think about other believers. Denominations are, it's the practice, denominationalism, another nice long word for you. I think that's got 17 letters in it, I counted. Um, is the practice of naming different groups of believers based on their distinctives, which usually has to do with two or three things that they believe that usually are secondary issues, and they make a new denomination, they call themselves that thing, and they separate from other people. Now, denominations have been doing this for a very, very long time, um, and a lot of people have rejected denominationalism. And so they've gone to the the non-denominational church movement. Now, the problem with that is this. once you call yourself non-denominational, you've given yourself a name, which is a denomination. So the difference between you and this other denomination is at least they have 50 churches who agree with each other, and you've only got one, right? You're actually rejecting everybody else as a non-denominational church, which is to say we're going to do it our own way and the way we think we should do it and so on. Listen, I don't want to get into a big thing about that, but I'm just saying you cannot exit from denominationalism by simply saying, I don't, I'm not part of it, because as soon as you're not part of it, it means you also are separating yourself from other people. And so the point isn't be denominational, be non-denominational. Everybody is denominational. If your church has a name, you're denominational. The only way you're not denominational is if your church's name is, right? Then you can be non-denominational because you don't have a name. Of course, how's anyone going to find you? I don't know. But I'm not suggesting anything about that. I'm not, I'm not trying to deal with that issue in a uh, shorter sermon. Um, so what I'm saying is that we just need to work towards unity across denominations. I actually read an article because I was looking for some, some research on this and what other people had said. And this guy starts out and he's just really killing it about unity and how Christ has called us to unity and how over-denominationalism, being worked up about these things is, is so bad and that we need to come together and unify. And then the second half of the article, I'm not kidding, the second half of the article, he goes through and outlines like however many really like specific secondary issues that everyone has to believe as they stop being denominational about alcohol and gambling and baptism and all the, and it goes through all his little pet theological things and says, why can't we be non-denominational and all believe what I believe? Some of which was, he was wrong about. Um, that's what I think, but I'd still worship with him. Um, but I don't know if he would with me, right? Because so even those who are like, we need to be non-denominational, it's still like, blah, the rules still need to be kind of what I think, right? We need to be non-denominational as long as non-denominational and we get rid of denominations, as long as it means whatever my things that I believe are is what everybody believes. Well, that's not the way it's going to work, folks. It's not going to happen that way. You're going to have some disagreements with people over secondary issues, hopefully not over essentials. See, if we could put aside the secondary issues for a second, we could get the essentials locked in a lot better. And then we would have a really clear understanding, and Christ followers would be more, more able to understand the, important, the most important things about Scripture, and the other things would sort of fade away as things that we could talk about at the barbecue kindly with one another. Kindly. Um, but the call is this. You know, the Corinthian church runs into these problems, and they run into them quick. 
which means, because we're not better than them, which means that we can run into them quick. If this isn't an issue for you, and you don't think about this kind of like, I don't even think about that. I just figured we were all the same and just had different names because we like different logos and colors or something like that. If that's you, that's cool. I'm really glad because that means the Holy Spirit's been working for unity, at least within you. But here's the thing. Even if that's you today, that was the Corinthians when they started too. They didn't come out and start thinking about, I'm of Paul and I'm of Paulos. They just got into Christ, but it did not take long, even with great teaching. It did not take long until they started to get down this road. And actually, the more someone studies Scripture and the more someone learns, sometimes the more prone they are to start making issues of secondary importance of primary importance. And so it's a warning that I want us to take as a church because as a church, we cannot be that way. Okay? I don't have a problem with denominations in the sense that there are groups of Christians who have come together and formed larger and larger shield walls. That's not an issue. The issue is when one group says we're right and this other group is wrong and we're not going to fellowship with them and it's over some minor thing. Now, we see a lot of Christian conferences, Christian concerts, um, places where more Christians are willing to get together these days. I think there's more of that in the last probably 20, 30 years than maybe there was at a different time. But here's the deal. It's absolutely necessary because culture is no longer saying, yeah, Christianity, we're basically all Christians and so we can have all this thing and we're going to operate as a society that's basically Christian. In fact, it's going the opposite. And where you sit right now in this geographical location, it's more like Christianity is bad. And when Christ says, how about make us one so that people will believe that you sent me, then obviously the opposite is, if we're not one, people are not going to believe that you sent me. I've had a, a guy come to me and be like, how can, how can you even try to talk about Jesus as the only way when even among believers there are however many thousands or whatever of denominations? And it's like, I mean, I have an answer for it, obviously. I always do, right? It may not be right, but... Um, uh, you know, we, I can answer that question, but it, it's a legitimate question. It's a legitimate question. I just, I'm just convinced that we need to be very serious about our call in this area as we move forward. Because of where culture is and because of what Christ is calling the church to, we have to, as much as possible as we move forward over the next year, five years, ten years, as, as long as it takes until the Lord comes back, that we are moving to break down the walls that exist between individual believers and between churches. And this may seem like, ah, this isn't that much of a like, personal feel-good message. Yeah, you're right. Sometimes the message is for us as a church and our responsibility to the church at large. And your responsibility to the church at large is to love across the aisle, is to love people even when there are small things that separate you. Because division can happen to any of us. It happened to the Corinthian church, and they had Paul and Apollos. It happened to them. It can happen to us. And I don't ever want to see it happen inside our body for there to be divisions or between us and other bodies of believers for there to be divisions over things that are not essential. All right. This is important. We are in a battle. Scripture is very clear about that. We're in a battle for the minds and hearts of people to believe the truth. And all we want all we want as believers is to see people become disciples of Jesus Christ. It's not about us. It's about Christ. It's about his kingdom. It's about eternity. And if we're going to be effective in that battle, we have to be together, both inside the church and among all the churches. And so I just would ask that you put that in your heart and let it resonate with you any time that anything starts to build up where you want to make an us-them between you and another believer or between your church and another church so that we can start to become more and more and more unified as Christ's church and see the glory of his kingdom grow. 
We want to be part of that. And it starts with us individually and with us as a church. So love your brothers and sisters in Christ, wherever they're called to serve. And whatever local body of Christ, whatever local expression of his body they're in. Let's have unity in the church, both locally, right here at Acts Church, and in the Universal Church. You've been listening to Pastor David Robinson from Acts Church in Camas, Washington. And this is Contemplate. What a great teaching. I especially found what Pastor David said about denominations to be really helpful. Just imagine how much good we could accomplish for the gospel if we stopped being critical of each other and just loved people the way Jesus did. Something to work on for sure. And if you need some help in this area, and I think we all do, come see us at Acts Church this Sunday morning. The family of folks here would love to meet you, pray with you, and help you experience the peace, love, and hope that can only be found as we grow in Christ. Get directions and all the info you need at axcamus.org or call us at 360-885-9000. Hope to meet you this Sunday. I'm Ron Hagelgans. Hope you've enjoyed this series and be sure to listen to our next podcast for more great teaching with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate.